This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's drive time now. Welcome to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk is brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. Major League Manager who has won two World Series titles and in eight seasons in Cleveland led the Indians to more regular season wins than any team in the American League. But in 2020, not only did you have to battle a pandemic that would shorten the season, but you also battled health issues that forced you to miss 46 of the team's 60 games. The hardest thing was being two blocks from the ballpark, but I could have just as easily been 2,000 miles for, for all I was doing. And, and part of it was by design. I mean, once I knew I couldn't be the manager, I didn't want to make things tougher for Sandy. I think it's really hard being an interim manager to start with. And I kept telling him, I said, Sandy, don't look over your shoulder. Don't try to do it like you think I would do it. I said, just you're a good baseball man, just do it. And then I thought, okay, if I'm telling him that, I have to live it out. And if I'm showing up saying, hey, you got to do this, that doesn't help anybody. But that was difficult. I mean, shoot, man, when you're used to being around the guys and everybody every day and calling the shots, then all of a sudden when you have to sit and watch, it's hard. That's Tribe Manager Terry Francona. And, yes, 2020 was one of his most difficult years in the game. I'm Jim Rosenhouse, and this is Tribe Talk presented by Progressive. In just a little bit, we'll go one-on-one with Tito and get an idea of where he stands health-wise. We'll also look back at the challenging season just completed, and we'll look ahead as well with some uncertainty facing all Major League sports due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Also on this week's edition of Tribe Talk, it's our Game of the Week segment and some holiday gift ideas for that Tribe fan on your list. That's all coming up shortly as Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive, continues on the Cleveland Clinic Indians radio network. Now the 2-0 pitch. He swings and sends one in the air. Deep left center, long run for Reyes. The center fielder's out of room. It's in the Indians' bullpen. He's done it again. Jose Ramirez, for the second time in this series, has a two-homer game. And for Jose Ramirez, it's his fourth multi-homer game of the season, and the Indians lead it seven to nothing. And the little man is still a one-man wrecking crew. And Ramirez now 15 homers, 
38 RBIs, and Jose Ramirez is hot at the right time of the year. Welcome back to Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend. Great to have you with us. And in just a moment, we'll visit with Indians manager Terry Francona. But don't forget, many different ways to tune into our show each week. You can do so on the Indians radio network, usually late Saturday afternoon, depending on uh, where your station is and what time they pick up the show. But that's the, the most common time. Also on Indians.com, all the archived editions there, or as a podcast wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Earlier this week, we had a chance to visit with Tribe Manager Terry Francona. Tito is at his winter home in Arizona working hard to put 2020 in the rearview mirror, and why not? Just about everybody is, aren't they? Lingering health issues made his job a challenge in the original spring training back in February and early March as uh, Tito missed several spring training games then. Unfortunately, the unexpected time off due to COVID didn't seem to help matters much and Tito only managed 14 of the Indians' 60 games on this year's schedule. He shut things down for good in mid-August. Naturally, our first question to the now longtime manager of the Tribe was, how was he feeling and progressing toward 2021? You know, Rosie, I think I'm doing okay. Um, You know, 2020 was a challenge for a number of reasons. And myself personally, you know, you throw in health on top of everything we were dealing with, and it was tough. And and I asked Chris and Cherney, I said, hey, give me till around Thanksgiving because I want to see, you know, I want to make sure I'm okay to do this. And and I really do feel like I'm in a position physically where I can come back and do the job. And that was important to me. I don't want to feel like I'm not pulling my weight or, you know, hold my end of the bargain because then you end up letting people down that you care about, and I don't want to do that. So it works pretty hard, and I'm actually feeling pretty good about things. And it's interesting because I'm, I'm sure some listeners out there are wondering, what are those physical demands on a major league manager that, that can make it challenging if you're not 100% to get through a season? And, it's, and again, it's not like I got a pinch hit or on the bases. You're right. But it's the, the grind of a 162-game schedule with the travel. And as you get older, it takes a toll on you. And then, you know, when you're sick or going in the hospital, that doesn't help anybody. So, you know, over the years, I'd gained weight like like a lot of people. So I tried to lose some weight and tried to work on my hip because, you know, they wanted to do another hip surgery. And I, frankly, it kind of scared me. So I tried to work with a therapist where I can put that surgery off for a year and, and, and still function and not be limping all over the place. And when you look back on, on the season gone by, obviously frustrating that, that you couldn't be a, a major part of it as you normally are. Uh, what was the, the most frustrating thing to you as you were going through it? The hardest thing was being two blocks from the ballpark, but I could have just as easily been 2,000 miles for, for all I was doing. And, and part of it was by design. I mean, once I knew I couldn't be the manager, I didn't want to make things tougher for Sandy. I think it's really hard being an interim manager to start with. And I kept telling him, I said, Sandy, don't look over your shoulder. Don't try to do it like you think I would do it. I said, just you're a good baseball man. Just do it. And then I thought, okay, if I'm telling him that, I have to live it out. And if I'm showing up saying, hey, you got to do this, that doesn't help anybody. 
but that was difficult. I mean, shoot, man, when you're used to being around the guys and everybody every day and calling the shots, then all of a sudden when you have to sit and watch, it's hard. You mentioned Sandy Alomar, and, and we'll get to your new bench coach shortly, but uh, Sandy moves back to being the first base coach, and after seeing what he did a year ago, surprised that he's still available to, to be on your staff and still wants to be on your staff, or uh, is it something that's a real blessing for this organization right now? Well, a little bit of both. I mean, it's certainly a blessing. I mean, I'm thrilled that he's still a part of our staff. But part of me is surprised that some team, some organization didn't reach out because I think Sandy kind of solidified what a lot of us know about him is that he could be a very good major league manager. And, again, sometimes it's it's what's, – what's the word? It's subjective or objective, whatever word it is. And for whatever reason, sometimes it's it's just not your time, but it still kind of baffles me. And I, you know, I think if people were around him more, I, I think he'd probably already be a manager. DeMarlo Hale will be the new bench coach and uh, not new to you in that capacity. Uh, tell us a little bit about his background and what made him uh, the good fit for this time right now. Well, I, I met DeMarlo when we were in Texas coaching together. And then when Millsy left to go manage the Houston Astros, DeMarlo slid in and took over for Millsy in Boston and did it seamlessly and, and really good. And, you know, and we thought about a lot of different things, Rosie. I mean, whether it was from within or externally, but we kind of kept coming back to, we really had a good staff and, through an extensive interview process, I think the other guys kind of saw what I saw in DeMarlo and that we can keep some continuity with our staff. He'll slide right into Millsy's spot and we can keep the other guys where they've been and they've been so good. And it doesn't mean that they couldn't have done a great job because I don't doubt for one minute they could. But this way, I think DeMarlo complements our staff and I think it gives us a really strong staff moving forward. Good to get a, a different set of eyes on things, too, sometimes? You know what? Then that's something we talked about because we've really promoted from within. Last year we had you know Justin Toole and Kyle Hudson. And sometimes it's not a bad thing to bring in somebody from a different organization just to give you a little different perspective. When you look at what a major league bench coach does, I'm – I imagine it's different for, for each manager. They, they lean on bench coaches differently. How about for you? What, what can DeMarlo Hale do that, that really enhances your job? I think the biggest thing, Rosie, is there has to be an uh, implicit trust. And I know I had that with Millsy, and I have it with DeMarlo. And so that means if, if I'm, you know, he's basically the communicator to the rest of the organization. You know, a lot of times the manager is going 18 different directions and the bench coach is responsibility is to relay things to the players, to the staff, to the baseball ops guys. And, and there has to be a confidence that's getting done in the proper way. And DeMarlo has a unique ability to not only communicate, but to connect with everybody. And I love that about him. And Brad Mills obviously is creating that vacancy by, by not returning as a bench coach. Uh, I know you spent some time with him after the season to, to see if it made sense uh, whichever direction it went. Uh, 
How difficult was that because of your relationship and, and how far back you guys go to, to eventually come to the conclusion that, that it just wasn't right for him to be back in the dugout? Well, you know, Rosie, it's, it's kind of, you know, when you say difficult, you know, yeah, difficult not to have Millsy back for sure. But when push comes to shove, it's really not that difficult because I care about him so much and I care about his family. This was the right thing for him to do. And I, I knew that it's just, you know, again, you know, I, I miss the guy. I mean, I leaned on him for so much and, and, you know, he's so respectful about the job and to the game that I appreciated him taking the effort and the time to come out here and talk to me. But I knew down deep, this is what he needed to do. So I never tried to talk him out of it because I just, I know he needs to be home and you know, as hard as that is, it's the right thing. Tribe manager Terry Francona joining us. Tito, let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, you know, here we are. It's almost Thanksgiving. And there is a spring training opener on the schedule for February the 27th in Goodyear. Uh, but as, as we've found over the last nine months, everything changes and everything seems up in the air. What's the latest that you know on, on, on the future of our game and, and whether it may start on time or not? You know, we had a conference a Zoom call about two weeks ago, and they kind of told us to prepare like we're going to be reporting to our spring training sites on time. Now, I do think, you know, there's certainly a lot that could happen between now and then, and, you know, smarter people than me will be making decisions that are in our best interest. But, you know, the hope is, is that we can start on time, and that would be wonderful. I hope that's the case. And certainly there'll be changes for every team in baseball. But uh, what do you like at this point in the offseason about your club as you look at it heading into spring training? Well, you know, Rosie, we're so we're so young into the offseason that we don't know yet what our team's going to look like. I wouldn't be surprised if we get a little younger in some areas, which is okay, given some guys opportunities that maybe they haven't quite had the last couple of years. Um, that's okay too. Sometimes you got to find out and, and there's, you know, so, you know, I've been talking to guys like Mercado and Zimmer. I mean, we want these guys to flourish in our uniform. So, so that's kind of the, that's, that's going to be one of our big challenges. So let's end on a, on an upbeat note. You talk about young players flourishing in an Indians uniform, none better than Shane Bieber, Cy Young award this year. Uh, your thoughts on, on the season he put together, but also how quickly he has moved to the forefront of, of pitching in the American League. He went from young to then you then you remember the all-star game moment, and then you look at him winning a Cy Young, and not just winning it, but just obliterating the competition. And you know what's so cool is Beeves is so down to earth, and my guess is he's going to keep trying to get better. And I bet you he does. And that bodes well for, for our organization. I know we're thrilled. We're proud of him, but we're thrilled. And he's going to make everybody around him better. I mean, took a look at Plezak. They all feed off each other. And Savali, we're excited about our young pitchers. Well, Tito, it's great to hear you talking about baseball, not so much about, about health. And I know that was a challenge this last season, but um, – Certainly looking forward to, to spring training, whatever that may be. And thanks so much for the time today. Appreciate it. Good to talk to you, Rosie. Thanks. 
That's Tribe Manager Terry Francona. Great to chat with him, and he really seems to be in a good place health-wise for the first time in a while, and we look forward to seeing him at spring training whenever that may be. We're hoping that it's as scheduled as um, Tito kind of referenced there. Mid-February is uh, the scheduled start date with a, a game on the slate to begin the spring training portion of the schedule on February the 27th. We haven't heard anything different, obviously, the conditions of the pandemic in our country uh, will dictate whether that happens or not. But at least for right now, there is a target date and plans are being made. Stay tuned. When we come back, we'll continue with Tribe Talk with a look back at one of the great games of 2020 right here on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you as we join you for our weekly visit, even during the off-season, Trap Talk running 52 weeks a year, and it's great to have you with us. And one of the things that we try and do on a weekly basis throughout the off-season is take a look back at some of the great games of the season gone by, and certainly one of the most uh, highly anticipated games of the 2020 season, the Major League debut on the mound of young right-hander Tristan McKenzie. For the Indians, it came on a Saturday night, August the 22nd. The Tigers were in town, tribe rolling, staying at or near the top of the American League Central Division throughout the year. They were 16-10 and 10 coming into that ball game. And for McKenzie, whew, a lot of uncertainty for a young man who was a, a top prospect, but the uncertainty coming from his inability to, to stay healthy and put together innings on the mound. In fact, when he took the mound, on August the 22nd, 2020, it had been almost two full seasons since he had pitched in a competitive game at any level, and here he was doing it in the major leagues. And in the very first inning, McKenzie immediately showed what all the hype was about. McKenzie, 6'5", but only 165. Unlike most of us, he has trouble keeping weight on. He is 23 years of age. He's got a mid-90s fastball. Outstanding 12 to 6 curveball and changeup, and this year he's dabbled with a slider. Victor Reyes, switch hitter who had a two big home run and a two hit game last night, will lead it off. Switch hitter batting left handed in right field. McKenzie the wind and his first major league pitch, and it's in there, a called strike, and we're underway at the corner of Carnegie and Ontario. He's just Got a very slow, deliberate windup, and the ball just explodes coming out of his hand. The 0 2. Swing and a miss. Got him with a slider. And Miguel Cabrera gets a first hand look at what the Indians hope is another future star starting pitcher. How about that first inning in your major league debut? Tristan McKenzie, three up, three down. Tigers don't score. The Indians coming to bat. Willie Castro, a former teammate of McKenzie's with the Indians in their minor league system, hit a solo home run in the fourth inning. That put the Tigers on top. But it didn't seem to phase McKenzie as he was lights out the rest of the way. The pitch. And strike three called on another heater. So Tristan McKenzie saying, you know what? Eastlake is beautiful this time of the summer. But I sure prefer being a little further west. Here's the one-two. Swung on, foul tip, hung on to by Perez. That's strike three. Another strikeout for McKenzie. Three in the inning, eight in the game, and he strands the leadoff double. The pitch. A swing and a miss. Castro strikes out, and McKenzie has made 80 pitches. That might be 
the final batter that he faces. We'll see. But wow. Six innings of dominant stuff by McKenzie. Ten strikeouts for the game. Then, in the bottom of the sixth inning, the Indians' offense finally got something going. And with two outs, the bases loaded, Domingo Santana came through big time. Two down, tribe down, one nothing. Again, the 2-2. Swing and a shot back up the middle into left center. That's a base hit. Ramirez scores. Lindor scores. Luplo to 30s being waved home. Here's the throw to the plate. The bounce, the head first slide. Safe at the plate. And into second with a three-run double is Domingo Santana. A hot shot on the ground back up the middle. That got into the gap in left center. It was cut off. But with two down, everybody was motoring. Ramirez and Lindor were going to score easily. And Luplo coming all the way from first with a head first slide just beat the tag on a one-hop throw to the plate. And the Indians have a three-to-one lead. The Tigers are going to challenge the call at the plate. Regardless, the Indians will have the lead no matter what this call is. And certainly looked like Luplo was able to get the hand in before the tag. The next batter was Roberto Perez. The pitch, a swing and a line drive, base hit in the left. Santana's being waved home. Up with it is Stewart. The throw to the plate, not nearly in time. Up the third baseline, sliding in is Santana. Perez will go to second on the throw to the plate, and the Indians have struck for four runs with two men out. So that put McKenzie in line for the win if the bullpen could hold the lead. Nick Whitgren had no problem in the seventh, and then it was James Karinchak on in the eighth. Karinchak dealing. The pitch waved at. I mean, to tell you folks, this is just incredible how Karinchak is making really good major league hitters look bad. He blows away Romine, strikes out two of the three Tigers. He keeps striking out two every inning. And we go to the bottom of the eighth with the Indians on top of the Tigers, 5-1. to one. In the bottom of the eighth inning, a little insurance for the Tribe, thanks to another two-out hit from Cesar Hernandez. The pitch swung on and a shot to left. That's a base hit. Allen will be waved home. Stewart winds up, throws to home, throw cut off. Scoring is Allen. Run down between first and second. Ball is flipped at second and just kind of giving up and being tagged out as Cesar Hernandez, but he gets his third hit, an RBI single for Cesar Hernandez. The Indians now lead it 6-1. to one. We'll go now to the ninth. And in the ninth inning, Adam Simber was on to finish things up. Now the 0-1. Swung on, rolled to third. Easy play for Ramirez. Sets, throws, ball game. And Tristan McKenzie is a winner in his Major League debut as the Indians have come back to beat the Detroit Tigers by a final score of 6-1. to one. The following day on Indians warm-up, we caught up with Tristan McKenzie, who said his debut could not have gone any better. It was everything and better. Uh, I mean, ever since I was a kid, I dreamed of this moment, and it was better than I have, I have ever expected. When you look at what went well and, and why it went well, uh, what allowed you to settle in so quick and, and get off to that good start? Uh, I just say being comfortable. The guys around me making me feel comfortable, especially Bebo behind the plate. Uh, there's a lot of experience there. Frankie is short. 
kind of giving me tips and tricks even during the game when they would shift. He kind of whistle at me or get my attention, kind of make me feel comfortable and make me feel that there was guys behind me and that I wasn't out there uh, as a man on an island. How much nerves coming in from the bullpen? <laughs> coming in from the bullpen, not as much. This morning, uh, I felt a little sick. But once I got out on the field, everything kind of felt right. So you can't complain at all. The work you did at the alternate site, it seems like you really made some progress there. And, and, and is that the case from where you were even in spring training, the normal spring training? Uh, I mean, I'd say wherever I was at, whenever I was throwing to catchers or throwing to hitters, I was always working on something. And I think being around a lot of high-level guys that are very close to making the bigs or even guys that were in the bigs for a little bit, being around those guys helped push me. And I think being over there sharpened my skills a lot. And I think it showed tonight. When you look at, at history, the, the 10 strikeouts put you in a category with Louis Tiant. And oh. uh, I know we, we've talked a little bit. You seem like you are a baseball fan. Not everybody is who plays the game. But uh, what does that mean to you um, in terms of, of history? Uh, that's, not a, that's not a name you hear thrown around very often. The fact that my name was even included in that sentence is almost overwhelming for me. Uh, just happy to hear my name being mentioned as a part of history. It's an odd time right now where, where there's no fans in the ballpark. And I know that the question came up before you started, would that help or, or would it not even matter? Um, what about for you? What was it like out there tonight with no fans? I mean, it was a little bit different, but once the game started going, I mean, it's the same game I, I've been playing my whole life. Uh, still 60 feet, 6 inches. I heard that a couple times before to kind of help calm me down. But it's still the same game, and I think once I got out there and the game got rolling, it, it kind of came in second nature, almost like riding a bike. We heard a lot about you working on different pitches uh, to try and get a, a slider better, a changeup better. It seemed like you went to them a lot tonight, and, and did you feel good with the secondary stuff? Uh, I felt good with all my secondary stuff. Uh, I think I, I used my changeup pretty well, uh, and the slider was a new pitch, and I think it, it worked very well. I got my first strikeout, so I'm, I'm very happy with how they looked. And, of course, it's always good to have the, the hard stuff and, and your fastball look good, and the guy behind the plate calling it. How did Roberto Perez help you through tonight? Uh, he allowed me to kind of stay calm. I, I I had faith in a lot of his pitch calling, and I'm a I'm a very stingy guy when it comes to what I want to throw. But you you can't not respect a great mind like that, and you can't not trust a guy like that behind the plate. So I think it it made it very easy for me. You leave the game trailing, but the team wins, and you hear so many pitchers say, "As long as the team wins, that's all that matters." Uh, where were you when things turned in a positive direction for the Indians and, and your reaction to that? I was sitting right in the dugout, and I was cheering everybody on. Uh, I mean, regardless of what the outcome may have been, I just want the team to win. Uh, and I think that's when I when I go out there and pitch, it's it's not for my stats. It's mainly just to keep it a close game so that the, the bats can do damage and hopefully come out with a win like we did tonight. Any chance you sleep tonight? Uh, very unlikely, but <laughs> I'll be in bed early. Hey, Tristan, congratulations. Thanks so much for coming by. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Also, Indians pitching coach Carl Willis talked about what impressed him in McKenzie's first big league outing. Well, you know, first, you, you obviously, you always like 94 and 96, and, and, and obviously as a, a, a well above average curveball. I think, uh, you know, the things that stood out to me more than anything else was, you know, uh, particularly when you take consideration he had pitched in a game that that counted in any standings uh in two years uh it, it really stood out that he was not afraid um he went after guys um he he uh, attacked the strike zone and um I, I thought that was really really remarkable considering the fact 
that he'd been away from competition that counted in such a long amount of time. But the other thing particularly was, you know, his other two pitches, his slider and his changeup, he got a tremendous amount of use out of those pitches. He got his first major league strikeout on a, a slider to Miguel Cabrera. That's a pretty good name to have as, as your first one. Um, so I, I just think, you know, he showed much more of a field to pitch that maybe I was expecting, um, having not really seen him in any other setting other than a bullpen or, or a sim type of game uh, in spring training. Uh, I just I just thought, again, aggressively attacked the strike zone, didn't back down to challenges, and, uh, and had a lot of faith and confidence in, in all four of his pitches, not just his top two pitches. And from a distance, it seems like he's having a ball out there. And and did you, Kane, get that from him? Is he just having a lot of fun right now with this thing? Well, I think, uh, you know, I think he has a lot of confidence in himself. And, and I think uh, for a young man, you know, he, he knows his, his personality. And uh, I'm sure that, you know, underneath there, there were some nerves and some anxiousness, uh, uh, along with all the excitement that goes with making your major league debut. But, but seemingly... He, he knows how to handle himself and, and he knows how he handles, you know, those feelings. And uh, he just, he did. He, he seemed like he had fun. He was confident. Um, and, and it was a lot of fun for us to watch him as well. So there it is, the debut for Tristan McKenzie, who went on to put together quite a few other solid performances in 2020. But his debut on August the 22nd, certainly a night to remember. And that's our game of the week. Stay tuned. We have some holiday gift ideas as Tribe Talk presented by Progressive continues after this short break on the Cleveland Clinic Indians radio network. And it's swung on, banged toward third, playing deep and on the line, a jump throw by Ramirez, and he got him! Oh, what a sensational play! Ramirez deep at third, going to the line with a backhand and a jump throw to get. That's as good a play as any third baseman can make. And that cannon of an arm to be able to throw on the fly with your feet off the ground. Incredible. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you for our final segment as we join you each week, even during the offseason, our hot stove edition's going strong. And right now the holiday season going strong as Thanksgiving has come and gone and uh, December close at hand. And that means... If you have that Tribe fan on your gift list, some great ideas for you for the holiday season. The Indians have released six packs. They're back for the 2021 season, and they start as low as $99. A couple of different options. You can build your own six packs, pick your own games, and choose from weekend and weekday games throughout the season. You can also go with the theme six packs, choosing from four different packs, Friday nights, Saturdays, Sundays, and also weekday afternoon games. Also, the Indians have released what's known as flex voucher plans, and you talk about flexibility and how important that is the way things are right now with some uncertainty schedule-wise. Well, there is a reason that the flex backs are very popular. You can redeem 20, 40, or 80 vouchers at any time during the season. Jason Wiedemann is the Indians' director of brand management, and he fills us in on some of the challenges that the pandemic and the uncertainty about the schedule have presented not only in the past but also looking ahead to 2021 yeah it's definitely been a challenge you know and i know that's the case for a a lot of our listeners and a lot of folks around town just the uncertainty and and not knowing what's what's going to be different tomorrow or next week or next month 
but I think the really the silver lining in a lot of this is it's forced us to be agile and flexible. A great example of that is our promo calendar. Uh, as many of our fans know, we introduce our promotions calendar around Tribe Fest, so around January, February every year. And for the 2020 season, that was no exception. But obviously, once we got close to opening day and knew that the season wasn't going to play out the way that we had planned, and then eventually getting to a place where we weren't able to have fans in, at Progressive Field, we had to be flexible. And we did that two, two ways, really. We were able to um, provide some of our season ticket holders with, um, with some of our promotional items as a thank you for continuing to be season ticket holders and continuing to renew with us for the 2021 season. Uh, but there were some things on our promotion calendars like the Shane Bieber All-Star Game bobblehead or the Roberto Perez Gold Glove bobble. We've actually moved those into the 2021 season because those are still big milestones for our organization and for those players. And we want to make sure we celebrate those. And, and when you look ahead to next season, uh, optimistically, hopefully, at some point in time, fans are able to, to return to Progressive Field and, and enjoy Tribe Baseball in that way. Because of everything you went through a year ago, planning and, and then not being able to have fans, I can't imagine what it will be like, the, the elation of just having people back in that ballpark again. Absolutely. And, and you know, I mentioned the promotions and seeing our work come to fruition is great. But I got to tell you, the thing that I missed the most this year was just the energy that the fans provide. I'm not out there, you know, throwing curveballs or hitting home runs, but just knowing that there's so many people around town that are passionate about our organization that spend their hard-earned money to come out to Progressive Field and knowing that we mean so much to the community, I just can't wait to see that passion, that energy back at the corner of Carnegie in Ontario and really hope that in 2021 we're able to have fans back in the ballpark. Well, if you want to be a part of it, and again, we're optimistic, there will be fans back in the ballpark. Uh, but uh, obviously, you know, we'll, we'll get clearance on that as, as we go. But uh, Six Packs, a great way to do it. Just go to indians.com slash six packs. All the information is right there to uh, get you ready. And a uh, great gift for the holiday season for that tribe fan and your family. Jason, thanks so much for coming by. Appreciate it. Thanks, Rosie. Great catching up. Talk to you soon. That's Jason Wiedemann, Indians Director of Brand Management, and that's going to put a cap on this week's show. Thanks so much for tuning in. As always, thanks to Brian Matze for helping to put together our show back at our network studios. We'll join you again next week for another edition of Tribe Talk. I'm Jim Rosenhouse, reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network has been brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can conquer it i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road any road the steeper the better 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.